Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Although we have all new recording equipment and recording software, unfortunately we have the same host. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Happy International Pipe Smoking Day 2018. Yep, it's Tuesday, February 20th, International Pipe Smoking Day. So uh, what'd you do, huh? All right, uh, before we get started, in case you haven't noticed, we've got all new... The, the new equipment is up and running, so if the show sounds different to you, well, I'm still fine-tuning, tweaking the volumes and the levels and all that fun stuff, so uh, hope you're uh, hope you're still bearing with us. I uh, hope it doesn't sound too bad, but anyway, I'm enjoying the new equipment. Uh, the Tonight, on tonight's show, Shane Ireland is joining me, and we're going to talk all about estate pipes, and uh, what about, you know, what better way to celebrate International Pipe Smoking Day than talk about uh, international estate pipes, and historic pipes, and all kinds of pipes. Then we'll have uh, music selected specially for today, mailbag, and a rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember... In order to enjoy International Pipe Smoking Day, you must be of legal smoking age, and the same thing for this fine show. So there you go. Um, What did you do? Did you do something special? Did you take advantage of some of the deals that have been going on? Did you uh, get together with a group? Do you have a uh, planned get-together coming up? Uh, I gathered on Sunday with our local pipe club. There was uh, one, two, three, seven, eight of us that hung out for... uh, good four hours together so that was a lot of fun great to see them hadn't been able to make it there in the past uh, couple of months so scheduling keeps getting in the way um anyway all right let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go and to kick off the fun of international pipe smoking day 2018 wow this is the uh, i guess shane officially this is the 10th international pipe smoking day i i think i read that on the internet so it must be true uh yeah that sounds about right yeah so uh shane ireland is back with us shane what have you been up to since uh last month um not too much just getting ready for ipsd uh you know we're running uh, through the end uh, through the end of the holiday, which would be tonight at midnight. Uh, let's see, we're running our ten percent off site wide, and we lowered our uh, free shipping threshold from ninety five to fifty dollars. So, uh, doing doing the best we can to make it an attractive uh, promotion for everybody, and uh, make sure that everybody can take advantage all weekend. So, if you're an early downloader of the show or listener of the show, you got uh, about four hours left. Uh, <laughs> And if you listen to the show, you've probably already spent your money anyway, so there. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, we are using the uh, the new recording software, so if it sounds different, uh, enjoy it. But I can, I can also, as we're recording this, not only can I hear Shane, but I can see him. And I'm looking at a pipe that you're smoking that looks like a, like a, uh, a horn mushroom bent thing. What is it? Well, I mean, can you guess at least the country? Uh, Denmark. Ooh, nice, nice, nice guess. But no, it's actually uh, Brad Pullman uh, out of Oregon. Uh, kind of one of his signature shapes. And I have – it's it's kind of one of the only shapes in my collection besides the humble billiard that I have a, a ton of. Uh, <laughs> I, ha- I think I have six of these now. Um, a couple smooth, a couple sandblasted. And uh, I smoke them all the time um, because they've just been really, really great Virginia pipes for me. They have nice thick walls, conical chamber. It's, uh, you know, all of them are, all of the ones that I own are under 45 grams. Um, they're really comfortable in the hand too. But the other thing is something about the chamber dimensions just make them perfect for uh, for Virginia Flake. And one of the ones that I have was actually Brad's personal pipe for a number of years that I ended up with somehow. So I've got I've got a bunch of them. I smoke them all the time, and usually there's at least one in my rotation. Did you uh, steal it out of his mouth? 
No, a good friend of ours did, and then uh, he knew <laughs> that I have an affinity for him. So several years, the pipe was made in 2011. And actually, this is a quick a quick story that's slightly interesting. The pipe was made in 2011, and Brad smoked it for I think four years before he let it go, and then I I got it back uh, last year. But I had gone up to visit Brad in his shop. It was uh, Jeff Grasick and I and uh, Chip Kushner as well, who's the customer service manager of Smoking Pipes. We went up to visit Brad in 2013, and at the time, um, you know, I was I my my pipe budget was a lot different. You know, I was a younger guy and uh, living in San Diego and working for a bank, making not that much money. <laughs> so uh, when we were in the shop, Brad actually let me borrow. He cleaned that pipe up, that was his personal pipe, and let me borrow it for the weekend, um, so I could really see, you know, what it smoked like. Uh, so I smoked that all weekend and ended up getting a couple of my own. And then years later, the pipe that I tested actually became one of my own personal pipes as well. So that was a little funny. So that that I mean that's actually perfect because that segues you know kind of in in a little bit into what we're going to talk about, which is estate pipes. And yep, yeah, you that's you got an estate pipe right out of the pipe maker's mouth indirectly. Um, <laughs> uh, what uh, what Virginia are you smoking? Uh, currently, I'm smoking some uh, 14-year-old Rattray's Old Gallery, uh, which is another, you know, favorite of mine. I smoke kind of a lot of the Rattray's blends, and uh, Old Gallery tends to be the one that I smoke, you know, a little earlier in the day. Uh, I do favor Hell of the Wi- Hell of the Wind, Hell of the Wind. I'm I'm always criticized for how I pronounce it, but uh, that one's a little stronger. So Old Gallery's kind of firmly in the medium range. Do you? Uh, I know this. Ha- this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. But with a conical bowl like that and dealing with a Virginia, do you have to be careful not to pack the bottom part of the bowl as tight? Because uh, I mean, it, the the tobacco chamber narrows down. So you're if you pack it tighter, you might get a more intense smoke, right? Exactly, exactly. And then I, I would also say that, you know, in general, uh, as a Virginia smoker, I try to tamp as little as possible for the same reason. So I kind of just gravity fill uh, the bowl about halfway, and then I make like kind of a plug and press it between my fingers and kind of cram it on top there. Um, so usually the first third of the bowl burns a lot more slowly than like the last half. Yeah, the, the last half is like boom. Exactly, minutes. exactly. Yeah. But I've got I've got, you know, like a beautiful cake all the way to the bottom and all these pipes. So uh I the results that I'm getting I'm pretty pleased with. And you just have to make sure and dump the ash occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> um otherwise you get a whole pile of ash down there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I'll uh yeah, this one this this pipe that I brought out is only available as an estate pipe now, and this is one of two that I own. Let's see. It's yeah, it's going to be hard for you to tell what it is because it's a brown sandblasted Disneyland pipe. Oh wow. And the uh, and the research was the this one's actually stamped Disneyland, but it's from the Sheraton factory during the time that Lane owned it. The, really? The, okay, yeah. that's interesting. So like late or uh, 60s, right? Yeah. So what Lane was doing was their sales rep was going into the Disneyland tobacco shop and any any tobacco any tobacconist as long as they wanted to buy x amount of pipes could order their the international selection or the the lane seconds and they'd stamp their name on it for them well this sure. one is one of two that i own that's a disneyland i've seen two others so i know of four in the united states um the only difference that i did with this one was i had Ronnie B cut an acrylic smoking stem for me because mm. I didn't want that uh, that vulcanite rubber you know, old Sheraton stem on it. I wanted one that I could smoke and smoke a lot. Um, and it does really well with big flavored tobaccos because it's almost like a group five or group six size bowl. I was going to uh, say it looks pretty looks pretty healthy there. Yeah, I mean it's you know three fingers high and. Yeah, it, it it's a it's a substantial pipe, and I can smoke it for three hours. So <laughs> we need to start measuring uh, group size by fingers, just like uh, just like <laughs> pouring a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and don't ask me because uh, I have size issues. Uh, <laughs> and and then I will actually talk about the tobacco that I'm that I'm smoking because I found in the back of my cabinet I found a four ounce jar of some McClellan 2015 that I packed away in November of 2010. Oh, wow. 
and I emptied half the jar out, rubbed it out, put it in a tin, let it dry down a little bit, and then I've still got the other half of the jar sitting here with the broken flakes in it. Nice. And I just, yeah. yeah is so. it still, you know, I don't think I've ever smoked 2015 quite that old. Is it still fairly zesty? It's, uh, it's more zesty than the other McClellan Virginia Periques that I've smoked at that age. Okay. Um, but no, it's, it's cooled down a little bit uh, at the same time when I packed it again, I packed it really tight, so it didn't really do much in the way of aging mm -hmm. uh, because putting four ounces into a half pint jar. Oh, sure. <laughs> there's not a lot of oxygen in there. No, but when I opened it, the lid shot up, uh, <laughs> it, was, it made a beautiful noise. So. Nice. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's what, you know, we're going to be talking about estate pipes, and both of us are smoking pipes that we got as estates. Uh, and for International Pipe Smoking Day, you know, the, there's only, there are certain brands and certain eras of pipes that you can only get as estates. So I thought this would be a lot of fun. So uh, we're going to take a break here, and we'll come back, and Shane and I will uh, talk you through how to buy, where to find, what to get, what we like, what we don't like, and uh, all that other stuff. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic Cashmere, the sultry Licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino Red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, International Pipe Smoking Day 2018. Um, you know, we really need a mascot. This is true. Yeah, we need like a, maybe a, you know, uh, maybe a Mario brother that smokes the, the, the third Mario brother that smokes a pipe. <laughs> that sounds like a dig at me. Um, I'm not saying but only because only because you can see that I'm wearing my Italian plumber hat right now. And the red and yellow shirt just looks like a Mario. Yeah, and the mustache. Yeah. Uh, I'm th let's see. Luigi, Mario and uh, I know Pepito. Giuseppe. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Pepito, the pipe smoking Mario brother. <laughs> Um, he couldn't, he couldn't be on a game because, uh, all right. So all right, let's, <laughs> let's stop that. All right. Um, estate pipes. Um, so he, I mean, we all know that an estate pipe is essentially a used pipe. Correct. It's a pipe that has been used and has been cleaned and refurbished or maybe is not cleaned and not refurbished. But or, you know, there, there are plenty of unsmoked estates on the market as well. Yeah, but that if you if you think of it that way, then that's more like a new old stock kind of a kind of a theory. Correct, correct. So, I mean, the, you know, for the, for the sake of this, we can stick with you know, just pipes that are have been smoked, have been owned, have been loved by somebody once before, and now they're on to. Now it's your turn. Um, yeah. So what do you say to somebody that is resistant to buying estate pipes? Um, I, you know, I, I've haven't come across that a ton and whenever I do, usually I let them know that, um, you know, especially, especially depending on where you're getting these pipes from, either you are getting a pipe from someone who's known for having uh, really strict, you know, quality standards and refurbishment that's really good, uh, in which case the pipes are disinfected and completely clean, completely usable, uh, pretty much brought back to life. 
Or the alternative is that you buy them from, you know, maybe somebody on eBay, like that's not necessarily specializing in pipes, but that has a few pipes for sale from like an antique sale or something. Those ones, you're going to need to be prepared to clean yourself. Um, but in any event, they're perfectly usable. It's a fantastic way to try out uh, a new brand uh, without without jumping all in. And if you're smart about your estate purchasing, chances are uh, there's very little risk in terms of if you're not completely happy with it. If you treat it as well as, as as well as you would a normal pipe that you purchased, chances are you can you can either trade it or flip it back over and kind of keep the cycle moving. So that's nice as well. There's not a ton of depreciation on estates, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: if I if I see a pipe on eBay and it's dirty and obviously being sold on eBay by somebody who doesn't know how, you know, doesn't know anything about pipes or I'm floating through Craigslist and I see pipes that are, you know, you know, grandpa's pipes for sale. Um, or the other place, the, the world famous antique malls. Um, yeah, (laughs) that's where you find your $12 Dunhills from the sixties, right? Yeah. Well, do you have any suggestions for us on ways to examine pipes so that we don't, run into the pipe that also has, you know, bailing wire holding it together and has been hot glued <laughs> or stapled back into pieces. Well, I think there's there's three three things that you want to check um, that are that are the most important. Of course, it's really easy to see the outside of the pipe, right? Yes, it may be cleaned, may have some dings on it, uh, but that's not usually where you're going to find a major problem. Major problems are going to exist right behind the button where somebody has been clenching the pipe. Uh, things like pinholes that you have to look really carefully for because it's not always obvious, especially if the stem is gunked up, uh, it's not always obvious that there might be a fracture or a pinhole or an indentation that can't really be removed. The other one uh, would be the shank. So I usually carefully separate the stem and the shank uh, if possible, if you're holding the pipe in person, obviously, separate that, look around the shank and make sure there's no hairline cracks or fissures there. Uh, maybe inspect it to see if the tenon looks original, if the fit is still good. Uh, and then the other thing is going to be the chamber. The chamber is usually the hardest one because depending on where you got the pipe or who the previous owner was, it might be in pretty rough shape. Now, that doesn't always mean that you're going to have problems uh, in the actual wood, but you know, unless you carry around a reamer, uh, it, it might be hard to see what kind of condition the chamber's in just by looking at it. Yeah, it, well, and I go back. I I go back long enough in in this to when if you walked into an antique mall or a, a junk store, and you saw pipes, um, you know, it was nice to have a flashlight and a magnifying glass to look at things. Yeah, you know, exactly. Now, exactly. Now everybody carries a smartphone with a flashlight and a magnifying glass on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been. no, absolutely. But yeah. you know, you you can expect a reasonable amount of like rim darkening and stuff like that. And yes, maybe the stem is a bit oxidized, but just be on the lookout for cracks in the stem, cracks in the shank, and a tr- a chamber that looks like it's been abused. And and my rule of thumb is when you're buying from a place like an antique mall or maybe on Craigslist, and you're not going to be able to return it. You know, mo- most eBay sellers have a fairly good return policy, and it's up front. If they don't, yeah, sure. Just, just remember that I, I wouldn't spend any more money than I'm willing to risk on to a, lose. Yeah. yeah, you know, on a goofy little, uh, you know, on a on a whim. Uh, exactly. But I will say, you know, I've found some really good pipes in antique malls. I've found them in uh, in junk stores, uh, and you're right; they might be ten to fifteen percent of what they would sell for if they were good, clean estates. Yeah. Um, I don't clean them. Well, I have cleaned a few myself, but I'll also find a restoration guy that I like and just, you know, say, hey, 15, 16, 20 bucks, send it off, you know, clean it up to smoking capabilities for me. Sure, sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's a great way to, it's a great way to also kind of build your collection because uh, I've bought pipes that I found at antique stores and junk malls just purely to, flip them to either friends or to uh, put them on eBay myself and sell them or to uh, send them off to a certain uh, estate retailer and uh, trade them in. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Well, the thing is, especially if you're doing like the whole antique mall kind of thing, like if you're if you're hunting in places where uh, the people who are selling you these pipes don't really know what they have or they're not cleaned up professionally, that kind of thing, it's, it's pretty safe to stick to, you know, this sort of um, – ratio between like this brand 
what brand you're buying and the recognition that it has and the value that it has and then how much yeah. risk you're assessing, right? So if you find a Dunhill, even if it's in rough shape and you only pay 25 30 50 bucks for it chances are that even if there's a replacement tenon or if the chamber's a little charred it still has five times that value yeah or if the white dot's gone black um... <laughs> or sunken in if it's sunken in then that's a good sign that means you got an ivory dot there and that's an older piece so yeah, yeah i mean you know even even like some really nice old english brands um you're gonna you're gonna find that even even a pipe that's well loved still has a fair amount of value to it all right, so let's uh, let's take the first uh, the the first step into this because I I wanted each one of us to uh, uh, go through the go through the estate world. All right, so we we know where you can go to buy the estate pipes, but uh, let's go through the world of estate pipes, and we'll start off with English because you you said it, uh, and each one of us give one of our favorite old old brands to get as an estate pipe. So. Uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll go in uh, reverse age order. <laughs> so you want me to go first, then? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, man, it's uh, if we're gonna if we can do more than one English brand, then I will then I will pick another one later. But uh, in terms of something that's possibly a bit more esoteric by today's standards, uh, Barling is a huge one for me. I love Barlings. I love old Barlings. Uh, pre-transition stuff down to the turn of the century is is the kind of things that I'm always looking for. And and you'll see and you'll also notice that you know, you can get a you, you can get a standard production Barling for what is probably a really good price right now but then if you get into the super specialized you know the the guinea grains that are the uh or yeah the the really the the truly unique ones are the harder to find ones and the prices go up astronomically because you get into the collector you know the collector levels exactly and i mean obviously you know something that was made a uh, hundred years ago or more uh, has a lot more value and it's lasted a lot longer and it's more rare because very few of them lasted this long. Uh, but also the pipes just had like a different vibe back then. They were really cool and really interesting. Yeah, and I'll I'll use uh, to go along with Barling. I'll, my favorite is Sassini. And yeah. you can find the simplest way with a Sassini to know that it's a family era Sassini, which is pre the sale to Cadogan, uh, is just instead of a shape number, it's got a name of a city on it. If it's got yep. a city name as the shape name, then that's a family era older Sassini. Mm -hmm. uh, and Sassini is a really good example of you can pick those up reasonably and they're going to smoke really well. Uh, if you want a one dot patent era, you know, then you're starting to look at, you know, six easy payments and a, uh, and a, and a second <laughs> mortgage on your house and stuff like that. But, you know, but you for, can find rough roots, like really nice old family era rough roots for yeah, what less than, less than a couple hundred bucks these days. Yeah. And and as long as the as long as the dots are in the you know, it's the original dots and the original stem, you know, go online and look and see how to tell if it's original dots. But again, and Sassini and Barling are two really good examples of what was going on in England from nineteen you know, the, from the turn of the century. Well, Sassini was nineteen nineteen, I guess. Um all the way up into World War II, those pipes are just absolutely great smokers. And then by the 50s and 60s, then you start getting into some wishy-washy changes. Uh, <laughs> but that's Which a, was industry standard pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And that's a perfect place for us to take our final break. And when we come back, we'll talk more uh, good finds in the estate market. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot 
with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes autumn evenings so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Shane and I are hanging out uh, talking estate pipes, and hopefully you are doing something fun for International Pipe Smoking Day, like maybe smoking your birthier Dunhill, which uh, <laughs> uh, neither one of us talked about Dunhill as an estate pipe, but probably one of the most prevalent estate pipes on the market. One thing, I, I real quick before we press on, one thing that I always found super interesting about Dunhill is that despite the fact that their production has remained consistent and, uh, you know, fairly prolific over the years, um, Dunhill Estate Pipes in particular hold their value extremely well. Uh, I've owned a ton over the years, like several dozen, and uh, and constantly whittled them down to the ones that I enjoyed smoking the most, um, but... I've always been able to enjoy uh, a Dunhill estate for a period of time and then turn it back around and, and either not take a loss at all uh, or take very, very, very minimal loss. So Dunhill's a great brand uh, to play around with on the estate market for sure, especially because you can find you know, a ton of things from the 80s and 90s, but still there's a lot of patent pieces out there too. Yeah, and you can do the binge and purge like I do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's switch. Uh, from England, should we go to Denmark next? Oh, sure. Because I mean, Denmark gets a little interesting because you've really got two distinct classifications of pipes there. You've got factory pipes, and then you got handmaids. Yes. Um, and, and we all know the handmade pipe makers and the and the greatness of the Danish design and the and how the 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 old great Danes really kind of set the bar for everybody else that hand makes a pipe out there in the world right now um but what 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 one uh, estate Danish pipe do you want to point people in the direction of well, I mean, the thing is, I'm always looking for, you know, anything former Tom Eltang, all that kind of good stuff. But I still keep my eyes peeled all the time for Stanwells. And, and I mean, Stanwells, because there's a, a huge range there. I mean, you can you can find handmade, you know, the older handmade stuff still priced really reasonably. Um registered pieces, registered number pieces from the earlier production. Uh, there's a lot of really great designs uh, by Sixton and Tom and all those guys that you can find in a lot of different lines. And then there's more recent production that is really extremely affordable to get into. Um, you know, even even the stuff pre-2010, uh, still in the Borup factory in Denmark, there's a lot of pipes there well under $100 that are fantastic sort of bangs for your buck. Yeah, and then my, my choice would be on the opposite side of that, but this kind of affects every factory and manufacturer in Denmark would be anything that says W.O. Larson on it. Uh-huh. Uh, because W.O. Oh, yeah. Larson, when they were producing pipes coming out of Denmark, they were buying pipes from factories and having their name stamped on them and you know, getting select lines done for them. And then at the same time, when you get into the handmaids, then you get the beginning of some of the great Danish pipe makers. And yeah, you you can get a great piece, and I don't think they carry the value. They don't carry the price tag as if it was hand-signed by that great pipe maker. Sure, but a lot of times you can tell. I mean, either by the era and who was working for them at the time or simply by, like, the style and the stem work. You know, you can tell uh, if Teddy had made it or if Former had made it or if Benny had made it or Tani especially. You know, you can tell yeah. who made a lot of these pipes. And, yes, their their names are not stamped on them, but that's also a good thing depending on your position as a collector because, again, they're undervalued in a lot of cases. Yeah, and I don't know. is Are, are you guys getting any W.O. Larson branded pipes anymore, or is it just a tobacco brand now? Uh, it's just a tobacco brand now, as far as I know. I can't remember exactly when the shop closed up, and then I believe that they were still having uh, pipes OEM manufactured for them by someone. Uh, and I've seen some of those uh, more recent production pieces come through the estate department, but I can't remember off the top of my head if they're still in production or not. I don't believe so. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking it's almost an end of an era on that as far as a pipe brand goes. But I can uh, I I can remember talking to Per Jensen and he would talk about the, uh, the uh, his father's factory, the George Jensen Pipe Factory, and some of the pipes that they would produce specifically for W. O. Larson and yeah, and how uh, only Larson would come over and start hand selecting each one and looking at them, and, and it's just a factory production, but. The, the the Larson family when they were running it uh, when they were doing the uh, when they were running it day to day they were really tight on what the on quality controls and what they oh were doing absolutely so, yeah absolutely but no W Larson I mean Stanwell and W Larson both there's just a ton of history there and and a lot of it you know it's it's entrenched in all these like handmade pipe makers that we think of as the masters now uh that were you know ki- i mean former was like 16 years old when he started working for <laughs> uh, uh for paul rasmussen and then a little bit later larson so these guys all cut their teeth in those factories you know and, and that's kind of part of what contributed to their mentality of it being a craft first and foremost you know what i mean because you didn't have necessarily the luxury of taking a week to finish one piece, you know? Um, and they did have catalog shapes that they had to stick to as well. So it, it gave them sort of that discipline. Uh, and I think that that, that accounts for a lot of sort of the modern high grade thing, right? Like you have these guys that are super, super skilled craftsmen, but they had the discipline and they cranked out classic shapes over and over and over again when they were cutting their teeth. And kind of set the standard for the next, 50 years of pipe craft because exactly now everybody is kind of influenced by the danish design there was even a time where uh, where dunhill was trying to update their styling and adopt some of the more danish designs uh, the heralded fancy freehand right like <laughs> yeah yeah or the bulbous ten, the bulbous shank weird ones that they did oh uh, yeah all right now uh, let, let's go down to italy Italy, oh man, Italy, there are tons and tons and tons of options, um, a lot of really, really great ones, but I mean, overall, um, you're, you're going to find really, really nice Savinelli's on the estate market, uh, everything from older uh, autographs where they were still grading the sandblasts to things like Puntos and Jubileo de Oros uh, that are really, really reasonable on the estate market, but just a hell of a lot of pipe for your for your buck. Yeah, and I, I had a Savinelli, was it a Coral? that they did that was kind of like a colorized oh the the carayo yeah the yeah. the carayo rustication yeah so i mean yeah obviously a great choice um you know normally i would have picked costello but that, i think that's a little too obvious um <laughs> i i think just for that i'm going to i i'm going to go up in dollars a little bit and one of my favorites that i still look for is tonino Giacono. Oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tonino started out making pipes because, if I remember right, his uncle or a cousin was a briar cutter, and Tonino said, well, I need to learn how to do this. And uh, and for years, he was only selling through, like, three or four retailers around the around the world, and the, and the pipes are still, I think, even brand new, I think they're a dollar value. Uh, oh sure. Yeah, they're, they're priced better than. Yeah, I, I think they're they're a good value, uh, and when you look on the estate market, for some reason, the 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 Tonino pipes that end up on the estate market just don't seem to carry the same price tag as a comparable pipe would if it said something else on it. Uh, Savinelli autographs, I think, still carry the price tag depending on the you know on. Especially when you start getting into the double zeros and the triple zeros and all the oh, sure. all the fancies, Costello and the Great Line Fiamatas still carry a a uh, quite uh, svelte uh, price tag. And uh, for Tonino, I think it's just a a really well made pipe. And again, you're going to get an acrylic stem, so get you know get used to not biting on it real hard because sure, it's not going to break. You will. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, if you find one and it's dirty, an acrylic stem is just a piece of cake to clean up. Uh, oh, yeah. Really easy to maintain. Yeah. I mean, you can almost use just a nail file and some Windex and, <laughs> and you're in good shape. Uh, where do you want to go after that? After Italy or uh, can I make one more recommendation in Italy? Oh, okay. One more. 
I always I always keep my eyes peeled for old Becker and Musicos. That's another one on the estate market that's really fun. Um, uh, Paolo had a lot of fun uh, with that line in the early days, and you can find really cool like spigots and uh, horn stems and all kinds of great stuff that's still pretty reasonably priced. And the, and the, yeah, they don't carry the same price as if it just said Becker. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, unless it's something particularly special, but no, most of the time you're just getting really, really nice, uh, you know, smokers. They're daily drivers, but uh, a lot of them have a little more, I don't know, a little more, uh, I guess, uh, swag than uh, than a typical, <laughs> you know, bent bulldog or whatever. Uh, a, a little more Roman design to them. Yeah, yeah, they're a little more special. Yeah. All right, let's go to let's go to France, where the birth of the briar pipe was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and and again, you're looking at a whole history of stuff, but not a lot of brands that are recognized as truly French, unless you look at the what three really. Exactly. You're going to find a lot of like GBDs that were made in France as opposed to England and things like that. But you know, I'll tell you what, my favorite thing about French estates. Honestly, it's always the stuff that's like more or less unknown, like the really, really obviously old, you know, pre turn of the century bent billiard with a horn stem and a bone tenon. You know, it's not stamped with anything except St. Claude, maybe. Uh, I, I always look for pieces like that because, again, you're never going to you're never going to spend more than 50 or 60 bucks on a pipe like that, even if it's in fantastic condition. But the history behind it and how long it's lasted, like it's almost unparalleled in, in the estate market as, as some of these old unknown French pipes. Yeah, and I'm it, it's escaping my uh, I can't remember his name and I don't want to Google search it because it might screw up the recording that we're doing. Um but there's the one guy that's got the roosters on his, on the stem of his pipes. His oh, stem gosh. logo is um, a rooster and I think he's just outside of St. Claude, but he's not in St. Claude, but um some of the pipes that I saw that he's shaped were absolutely stunning shapes of pipes and you could tell that each one was kind of handmade and i think the last time i saw some they were for sale they were like you know 60 bucks yeah mm-hmm. um you know may not be able to get a pipe cleaner through a real severe bent pipe but again you know you're looking at a pipe that was made in the 60s 70s 80s and made mostly by hand and it was like 50 60 bucks yeah. exactly exactly and as and as soon as I remember the name, you know, I'll scream it out. Um, <laughs> uh, let, let's jump over here to the United States uh, because we've got a few pipe brands here in the U.S. that have some uh, have some collectability to them, have some swagger, have some interesting shapes and stuff. But we really don't have until twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, we really don't have a a real big handmade artisan or pipe making craft here. True, true. I mean, there's a there's a lot of guys now that have been at it long enough where you will find you will find some nice, you know, Jay Allen, Ernie Markle, Scott Klein, uh, those kind of things on the secondary market. Um, it's always interesting to see uh, old Buteras pop up. Uh, that's another, you know, sort of rich area of American high-grade pipe-making history. Uh, and it's always kind of cool to see the kind of stuff that Mike was doing, you know, in the 70s and 80s. You know, well well yeah. before the sort of high-grade scene had caught on over here. And, and and the only one that I'll point out that you haven't is uh, Ed Burak, Ed Burak and the uh, Connoisseur Pipe Shop. If you want to see some 1960s, 1970s, 80s, all unique shapes uh, yeah, and good grain. I don't know about the smokeability of them because I've never done it, but uh, yeah, he was doing the stuff in New York City. And Oh, yeah. From, from the stories that I've heard of him, he was either really nice or not really nice. It was one or the <laughs> other. But the one thing that you can say is that in a lot of, in a lot of cases, you know, first of all, I mean, you could make the argument that, uh, again, in St. Claude, a hundred years ago, they were already making the blowfish shape. But, uh, you know, Ed Barak was doing a lot of kind of wild and crazy stuff that you didn't see starting to resurface until like the mid 2000s, you know, like these kind of more daring uh, designs and more novel, more novel gestures and ideas. Yeah, I almost think he was. I think he was the only one in the U.S. that was really following the grain at the time yeah. and, and trying yeah. to make the pipe work with the grain. Uh, 
And of course, they you know, and on the factory side of it, I mean, Kay Woody's just got a just got a hell of a following for some of their older stuff and and some of the newer stuff. So, yeah, yeah and even the older stuff. Again, I mean, if you find like a mint condition you know, older K Woody, uh, that's in a desirable line, you're still not going to spend even a hundred dollars. Yeah. Unless you find a really rare piece or a rare set, you know, you're getting a really good old pipe for a really good price. Um, anything, uh, any other pipes? I mean, if you get into Germany and Japan and some of the other countries, you're starting to get really mostly new except for, some of the old stoic brands. So I don't think it's really worthwhile to go through and name them unless there's a brand that you can think of that's exceptional. No, but I will say that again, just like I said that for me, the French estates, I really love trying to hunt down the super weird stuff and even some of the stuff that's not branded. Uh, I think one of the other things on the estate market that is really fun is uh, Mearsham's. Just Tur- Turkish estates and, and Mirsims in general. There's a lot of really cool older stuff uh, and, and a lot of unique pieces that are signed by the carvers that are maybe lost to obscurity or retired at this point. But uh, you can find a lot of really, really cool uh, Mirsims on the on the secondary market. And it's a great place to like try it out and see if you're a Mirsim guy or not. And correct me if I'm wrong, but don't the... Uh... Don't the Peterson estate pipes tend to sell faster than any other estate pipe as a whole? Um, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised uh, for us, at least, um, the turnover is pretty remarkable in, in all of these different categories, just because, you know, there are so many values, and so interesting pieces of history. but yeah, by large Peterson's tend to fly. Yeah, so. especially the older stuff, and you know, you you, you find you find an old, you know, uh, original Sherlock Holmes in Mearsham, and there's no way that that lasts more than a couple seconds when it hits the site. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, you, you and Peterson prices tend to hold uh, the pipes tend to hold their value specifically because Peterson estate pipes tend to move, in my opinion, faster than faster than others. Um, Absolutely. All right, I'll pose to you the uh, I'll I'll talk you through this scenario and see if it makes sense to you because as we sit here it's the 3rd week of February the uh, last week was the St. Louis Pipe Show. We've got uh, we've got Newark or the New York Pipe Show coming up. We've got Raleigh and then in May is the Chicago Pipe Show. So now it's kind of the time of the year where I start looking at my pipes and thinking all right, which ones haven't been smoked all that much and what needs to move on to a new home? Um, Thinning the herd. Yeah, yeah, you know, kind of culling the, uh, you know, culling the animals out. Um, here's my, you know, so, so here's the, the situation that I always advise people of and kind of propose to them. So there's, there's really three ways to thin your herd. Well, four. One <laughs> one is throw them away. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, two is you sell it yourself, and you either take it to a pipe show or your pipe club, or yeah, you, you know, or you do you you do something like that. So you do it as a as a private sale, face to face with another person. Yeah. Um. The second way is is you go the eBay route with it, and let me let me subdivide the eBay route into two routes. One, you find somebody on eBay who has a reputation, and you send it to them, and you pay their commission for whatever it costs to sell on there, or you sell it yourself. Yeah. And the third and final one is you find a retailer that does estate pipes and you send it into them for either you know a cash sale or for store credit um so those are those are kind of the four things let's just you know forget throwing it away none of us are throwing away a pipe <laughs> um, i've got pipes here that i you know that i ended up donating to uh, uh to david shane just just so that he could clean them up and use them because uh, i refused to throw them away <laughs> sure, sure. Also, kind of refuse to smoke them too. Um, if you do the, you know, first of all, know your know your pipe and know the current market value of your pipe. Uh, 
Yes, yes. You've got to do at least a little bit of research, although I will say that uh, one of the benefit of trading it into a retailer or selling it with somebody online who's been doing it for years, has a long history of sales, a lot of knowledge, is that they can do some of the legwork for you. And typically that's the way you're going to get the top dollar for it. Um, you know, simply knowing the value and putting it on your own eBay uh, account where you may or may not have a history of sales, you may or may not have people following you, uh, that that is rarely going to get you top dollar. So having a wider audience and having, you know, the, the knowledge behind it to price it accurately, that, that's the best way to get the most, uh, the most bang for your buck. Yeah, well, I'll I'll counter that a little bit and say I I think the best way to get a bang the the best bang for your buck out of a pipe is if you take it to a pipe show or 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 a pipe club meeting or you know the person individually that you're going to that you're going to deal with it because yeah you can't you know I I personally can't charge as much for a uh, for a pipe as a professional retailer that sent it through a whole inspection process and sent it through a whole cleaning process and everything. But I'm going to be able to optimize that, that pipes value to me. Uh, sure. I think the next step down is, and this is where I've, this is where I've honestly talked people through this before. If, if I trade in a pipe to smokingpipes.com, I get, a, you know, they, they do the evaluation based off of how much they think they can sell the pipe for. And they give a percentage of that in store credit to me. Um, if I remember right, that's what, 55% in credit? Yeah, the store, store credit's 55%. Yeah, so I'm going to get 55% of what they think they can sell it for they can sell it for more than somebody can on eBay or I can personally because they send it through an inspection process. They clean it. They take all the responsibility for any problems with it. Um, so they do all that. So that's going to be greater than going the eBay route unless you personally have a really well-developed eBay following or you're willing to sit on the pipe for a very exactly. long time and put it up on eBay as a buy it now. And I've seen some really embarrassing buy it now price offerings on eBay over my life. <laughs> and, oh uh, yes. And some of them have been with my, uh, with my favorite Disney world pipes where uh, one in particular looked like it had been looked like Mickey Minnie and the seven dwarfs had run it over seven times with a pack of horses. And then the guy put it up there for $250. So, um, <laughs> you know, so you've got because that's because he, he read the article about your collection and figured that there was at least one guy out there that, yeah, or looked and saw that one sold for a hundred dollars last month. So this one must be worth two hundred because it's even more <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, so you can do stuff like that if you if you want to. But those are again, you have to know what your pipe is, and it's not what it was worth. Uh, five years ago because some brands have fallen out of favor with collectors. Um, some, some things come down in value. The values change. It's a, it's a moving market. Uh, and you'll, yeah. and you'll see things fluctuate. Um, some pipe makers that used to be, and I've seen this happen with a couple of artisan pipe makers where they were hot and then they left the market and their pipes just kind of dropped in price uh, because they, they either, yeah. you know, they, they retired or whatever, but they were, they weren't feeding the frenzy anymore. So the collectors lost interest in them and they moved on. Um, yeah. You know, at the same time, I've and there's the few exceptions to it where the pipe maker has no longer made pipes and the pipe prices went through the roof. Uh, the, you know, the perfect example is Bo Nord, sure, whose pipe prices went through the roof. Um, but more often than than that happening, the pipe prices kind of tank or level off, and it becomes a market that's hard to feed. That's true. Uh, are there is there anything else that we're missing as far as uh, estate pipes in your opinion did we did we cover everything 
I think we covered basically everything, um, short of detailed descriptions on how to restore something, which I am not qualified to give. I'm not uh, saying. You know, uh, I can clean up something pretty good, but uh, if you if you really really want uh, to revive a pipe that's seen some heavy use, then like like you mentioned earlier, Brian, you need to send it out to a qualified person. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're interested in doing it right and you know how to do it and you're secure in doing it, do it. If you're me, I know how to clean a stem and I can ream a bowl, but I'm not doing a full restoration. I can't get the ghost out of a pipe. I can't clean up the bowl rim properly. I mean. Sure. If I tried to like polish a pipe back to life that that really needed it, I'm sure I'd be removing stain and all this kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. I had that famous uh Sheraton Belvedere where I got buffing on it too hard and I changed the stain on it completely. because um, it just buffed <laughs> right off and you know, off it went. Uh but no, if you yep. you know, the, if you're interested in doing the pipe right, the 20 or 30 bucks that it might be to get it restored and get it done right is well worth the expense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and if you're dealing with somebody where you're just trading it in, then you don't have to worry about cleaning it either. Oh, that's very true, especially if you're sending it into I will say that I do get this question kind of a kind of a lot. And as far as smokingpipes.com restoration goes, uh, just so everybody knows uh, the overall condition of your pipe when you send it in, I mean, short of having a crack in it, isn't going to affect its overall value because we do a full restoration on every pipe, including unsmoked stuff. They still get disinfected and polished and all that kind of thing. So the the condition of the pipe is not factored into the to the quote that we give you unless there's a major problem. Yeah, and I'll uh, – I'll just simply add on to this to, to kind of wrap it up. You know, if you're afraid of buying estate pipes because you because you think it's been in somebody else's mouth before and that's kind of nasty, well, just remember the next time you go to Olive Garden or any other restaurant that uses plates and forks and <laughs> cups and everything, that fork that you're getting there has been in somebody else's mouth before. So it's know. an it's an estate fork. Yeah, it's an estate Olive Garden fork, so that should be in the Italian category, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I have a whole collection of estate French forks. Um, I find the French forks to be better. Do you? Do you? Yeah. No. From um, from the birthplace of forks. Yes. Yes. Uh, who else but the French would figure out how to fork something three or four ways? Um, <laughs> as I'm getting ready to go to France again next month, I love. Oh, I can't wait. Anyway, awesome. uh, Shane, any last words? Uh, no, just uh, hope that everybody had a wonderful international pipe smoking day. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased that this is becoming a bit of a tradition for us, Brian. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next year and uh, many times in between. And I will be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. I am back, and I hope you enjoyed that. If you've got any suggestions, the things that we missed, you know, hey, pop them in there or keep them to yourself because you may run up prices on stuff. Um, I also want to apologize. I realized there were some, uh, some equalizer issues in that one, and that's why some of the voices, like mine, sound a little muffled. So, again, still learning things. All right, for music... I got a suggestion from Dino. 
Dino, the musical director of the Pipes Magazine radio show, and the email says, Hi, Brian. One of the guys on the forums posted this YouTube clip of Rupert Davies, the 1960s portrayer of Meg Ray, the pipe-smoking French police commissioner on uh, BBC One TV, singing a song called Smoking My Pipe. I thought I'd share Dino. Well, Dino, I'm glad you did because... This is going to be uh, Rupert Davies singing Smoking My Pipe is our uh, our official song for uh, International Pipe Smoking Day 2018. As I watch the sun descending and the birds fly home to rest in the hush when day is ending that's the hour when I feel blessed Smoking my pipe Smoking my pipe Like a whisper through the cornfield Comes a gentle evening breeze At the doorway of my cottage I recall old memories Smoking my pipe Smoking my pipe Those far off places Beyond the blue Familiar faces That once I knew I recall those days behind me And the happiness they meant Every sundown you will find me with a heart that is content Smoking my pipe Smoking my pipe You remember the first time we met? You were the only one in that railway carriage who didn't like me smoking my dear old pipe Compromise, I opened the window. And what a lovely surprise you gave me on our wedding day, a tobacco jar. How I remember each smile and tear As life's December is drawing me Time's old ever moving finger Closes one more day but yet While such thoughts as mine can linger I'll have nothing to regret Smoking my pipe Smoking my pipe Smoking my pipe Well, there you go. What do you think, huh? Not exactly uh, Dean Martin. But uh, still a fun find, and uh, thanks, Dino, for finding that for us. What's this? A letter for me. In the mailbag, let's see. uh, Darth Pipe writes uh, about five days ago. Uh, Great show as usual, fellas. First, thanks, Brian, again. uh, First, thanks again, Brian, for recommending Boda Pipes and Cigars to me. As I mentioned before, there are now uh, there are no dedicated pipe shops near me, and I have to travel two hours to Charlotte and an hour and a half to Greenville or three hours to Myrtle Beach to get to one. The cigar shops near me are pipe-friendly but not pipe enthusiasts and therefore suffer in products, which makes me travel to the aforementioned locations to get the pipe shop experience. Uh, Tom mentioned that you don't get the experience of the people when you order online. When I went to Boda, I went there by myself, armed with my Nording and some Magnum Opus, with the intent on buying some tobaccos and hanging out for a few. When I got there, I was greeted by a group of regulars and an employee. After 30 minutes, a conversation was struck up amongst the gentleman and I. This lasted for about 90 minutes. Found out he owns property in the area that I live in, and we spoke on everything from the Revolutionary War to old Korean propaganda movies. We were joined by Andrew, the manager, when he wasn't busy, and the conversations continued. Needless to say, the experience I had at Boda was second to none because of the folks that were just hanging out. Yeah, I like that story. Uh, And then SWB118 says, Great show. I'd just like to add that along with the usual 
brick and mortar stores to look in for deals. Some liquor stores also carry pipe tobacco. And you can get good deals. I recently found one where I was able to get several six, uh, six to eight-year-old tins of Dunhill Deluxe Navy Rolls. There you go. And I don't mind stopping in a liquor store either. And then uh, John's Team 86 writes, I simply love this show. I always tell myself in the morning I'll just listen to two today, but end up listening to about ten of them. A two-hour trip to work and a close to a three-and-a-half-hour trip home. You need something with meaning to listen to, and this one fits the bill on every level. If only we could get more than one episode a week, but I guess it would lose its nostalgia if done more. Is it Tuesday yet? Yeah. Uh, Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, Always love hearing comments like that. I will warn you, though, don't listen to too many episodes at once. It uh, can cause uh, brain damage. Uh, And then again, uh, Casey Ghost writes, uh, Lars Iverson was a giant among pipe carvers. I saw him at Chicago the few times I went there for the pipe show. Never talked to him, unfortunately. Didn't figure he needed to hear what he uh, what he meant to Amer- to the American pipe community from a nobody like me. I was very disappointed in the forum community's response to his passing. Maybe 25 of us expressed our dismay over his passing. Uh, yeah, uh, but I guess when you're making you know, 30 pipes or so, yeah. But uh, no, Lars, the loss of Lars was huge. Uh, and then he goes on to write... Tom's brother has a tough road to hoe facing heart and lung transplants. That's really tough. Hope he makes it. Uh, good stories on the B&Ms. I think every store has faced the conundrum of what to do about the guy who is always complaining about the draw on his cigars. Uh, laughed out loud over the woman who couldn't get along with the cigar store Indian. Uh, at our local brick and mortar, we play cards, dominoes, gin, shoot the breeze, and generally have a nice time. I always make a point of buying something. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Crash the Gay. Crash the Gray. Crash the Gray writes, Great show. I like that you touched on etiquette of a B&M. That can be very helpful. I wonder if there are more topics that you could discuss the etiquette of a pipe smoker, such as sharing tobacco at pipe shows or in lounges. Not as hard rules, but as guidelines for a newer smoker. Uh, I know at, at, at our pipe club gathering, man, there's always tobacco being shared. Uh, and if somebody bought a tobacco and they don't like it, there's always tobacco being traded and uh, left on the table for whoever wants it. So, uh, lots of tobacco. Uh, Down Home Smoker finally says, I love the natural flow of conversation between you and Tom. I agree with Casey Ghost. The cigar Indian fight was quite amusing. Etiquette is always good to go over, even if most of it is common sense. Do what you know until you know better. There you go. Uh, any comments or questions, you can email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. And tonight, we will end with a rant time in just a moment. Cowboy. Cowboy. If you own a Nissan, I'm sorry. That's all I gotta say. I'm sorry, because you're not gonna like this. Uh, In the past, in my history, I've owned and driven two Nissan products. Both of them are old enough to be Datsuns, but I've owned two of them. Now, in the past three months when we've been out on the road and on road trips and stuff like that, we've been keeping a tally, all right? Three out of four idiot drivers that have pissed me off or done something stupid have been driving Nissans. Three out of four. What is wrong with you people that drive Nissans? Three out of four of them. If somebody cut me off or swerved in front of me or was riding my tail, three out of four of them were Nissans. Is there something going on with uh, Nissans that people are angry? Or are they just trying to impress me? Whatever it is. But three out of four drivers of recent that have irritated me have cut me off, have run up on us, have done whatever, have been Nissan drivers. Now, I'm sure if you're a Nissan driver and you listen to this show, you're absolutely fine and comfortable because you're a pipe smoker and you're not angry or wound up or uptight about anything. 
But maybe what Nissan needs to do is make uh, pipe smoking automatically required so that they can get some drivers that don't cut people off, don't speed, swerve. But I'm, I'm serious. Three out of four people on road trips in the past three months that have been the idiot driver that you just want to face punch have been driving Nissans. Uh, I'm Maybe they're mad that it's not a Toyota. I don't know. I, I can't explain what it is, but three out of four of them have been Nissans. So if anybody's got any insight into that, let me know, please. And if you drive a Nissan, I'm sorry. Um, uh, you know, obviously not all Nissan drivers are bad. Anyway, there you go. Happy International Pipe Smoking Day 2018. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Shane for joining me and uh, thank you for your patience with the new uh, recording stuff and until next time the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Stranger, I'll have uh, ice water. <laughs> ice water. <laughs> water. You want water? You better go dunk your head in the horse trough out there. <laughs> in here, we pour whiskey. <laughs>